Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground, alternative activist empowerment talk radio, speaking truth to ours and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know? Don't tell me Negro, that's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? As you honor our forefathers and foremothers, I urge you to honor our living heroes. When you honor the names of Matt Turner, Harriet Tubman, and Malcolm X, I urge you to honor the names of Geronimo Gijaga, Sundiata Akoli, Matulu Shakur, and Mumia Abu-Jamal. America's chickens are coming home to roost. Violence begets violence. Hatred begets hatred. And terrorism begets terrorism. Our common ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned. Indeed, thank you for being with us here at Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham, your host, and we welcome you this evening to Our Common Ground. Well, either way you put it, the wheels are coming off the wagon, or the chickens have come home to roost. Tonight at Our Common Ground, we're going to be looking at the wealth gap in America from slavery to poverty, the black economic crisis facing the nation has always already reached uh, our community. We're going to be looking at the American debt, Social Security, Medicare, and black impact. The Obama administration and the boneheads of Congress, and I understand as we came on the air this evening, Mr. Harry Reid was coming on the floor of the Senate to make comments, and we're going to be asking you to call us in, call in and uh, give us an update while we're on the air. Our number is 347-838-9852. I'm not sure where this is going to lead. I do know that the cult of greed and power and hate has come together in a huge ball of fire to destroy America. And the American people are not angry enough. And it seems like Team Boehner's hypocrisy is not big enough. And it seems as though in the face of the GOP lies, we don't We are not able to simply pick it apart and see what it is about. This whole notion 
that we need to somehow have a compromise on debt. Let's start with that. And we hope that all of you will um, join us in this discussion, 347-838-9852. Write that down, uh, because this is Open Mic Saturday night at our common ground. We're going to ask Alpha to keep his eye on what's going on on the floor of the U.S. Senate tonight and give us a call and report in about what's happening. But, you know, compromise typically refers to resolving an impasse consisting of two parties or more in which each gives in from a little to a lot to achieve an agreement which all sides can live with. This president has, during his two and a half years in office, arguably used the word compromise more times than any human being in the history of the planet to the extent that he must stop using it because it has lost its meaning. As a former senator from Illinois at both the state and federal levels, he is fond of comparing his efforts to those of the great Abraham Lincoln in his effort to save the Union. What we see now is a traffic, a tragic uh, Washington dog and pony show mislabeled as democracy in action, wherein President Obama plays his role, keeping his cool and sounding like the voice of perpetual moderation. On the other side, we see a Republican Party opposing Democratic President Obama, constantly alleging that he and his party stand too far to the left. Furthermore, his profligate policies have brought America toward the dangerous precipice of bankruptcy. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what we're talking about. There are many factors that we have to consider. One of them is we have to understand and really be able to see what a corrupt government looks like. Here are some of the factors. The Tea Party has entered the scene as America's great lightning rod. Proponents of its position include Sarah Palin, Michelle Bachman, Joe Walsh. You know Joe Walsh, the deadbeat dad from Illinois. And while our president cites such opposition as evidence that Americans need to rally toward him along with his party into the drama steps another player. Acting comes so naturally to Mr. Tangerine Man. Hey, Mr. Tangerine Man, play your song for me. Speaker of the House, John Boehner. He has so mastered the art 
that he can do something that would make many an accomplished Shakespearean performer envious, that of crying with effortless spontaneity. So all Boehner needs to do to fulfill the ongoing dog and pony show with faux gravitas is to play a role similar to that of President Obama. He, like Obama, claims to be a force for compromise. Just as the president can ask rhetorically, would you prefer dealing with me or the Tea Party, his current chief, Republican counterpart in the drama, seeks to convey the impression that he is far more reasonable party with whom to deal with than his strident freshman meaning ardent Tea Parties. And in effect, while this president has operated in a most uh, faux-compromise position, he and his party are giving cover to the Republicans. Any kind of reasonable two-party compromise that should exist in a representative democracy vanished. When this president refused to fight on the critical issue of expiration of the Bush tax cuts. The president violated a 2008 critical campaign pledge by allowing an extension of the Bush tax cuts. And I I hate to say this, folks, but Obama's propagandistic word gymnastics prove one basic point. He contorts the word compromise, invoking it in the reality of surrender. You're listening to Our Common Ground. Our number is 347-838-9852. And tonight it's Our Common Ground Saturday Night Open Mic. Thank you so very much for being with us. Let's check to see who is with us. Um... We've got Alpho and um, Saxy Man from Colorado in our chat room. And if you'd like to join in the discussion, you can do so by coming to blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG. We're going to take a look at exactly what the climate is, and then we're going to talk some more. Our number, 347 838-9852. Greed is good. Now it seems it's legal. Because everybody's drinking the same Kool-Aid. Is everybody out there nuts? If it weren't for people who took risks, where would we be in this world? Ooh, might want to wipe some of the up and Voters are fed up with our lawmakers' inability to take action when it comes to reducing this country's $1.5 trillion federal deficit. As the Wall Street Journal reports, it's the voters who appear to be more willing to take drastic steps to do something about the nation's mounting red ink. The newspaper talked to voters in Virginia, a swing state, who say they're willing to make the tough cuts from a national sales tax to budget cuts 
to higher Medicare co-pays and deductibles. The voters get it, even if the federal government doesn't. And Washington really doesn't get it. Our leaders worry about being attacked in an election year if they even suggest spending cuts or tax increases. The American people just want their leaders to lead on this issue. Too much to ask, that's why they were elected, remember? One independent voter in Richmond, Virginia, told the journal, quote here, I wish the politicians would be hard asses and be like, you know what, it's going to be horrible for the next few years, but you've got to shut up, unquote. Wouldn't that be refreshing? Meanwhile, we await the results of President Obama's Bipartisan Deficit Reduction Commission, which are conveniently scheduled for release after the November election. And when the recommendations finally do come, most, if not all of them, will have to be approved by Congress, which will likely render the entire exercise meaningless. Some are suggesting a popular uprising is perhaps the only way to get this country back on track. There's a piece on Infowars.com suggesting Without a revolution, Americans are history. Here's the question then. If voters want the deficits addressed, why does Washington continue to ignore them? I know it sounds crazy, but people change. You got my attention. And I really do wonder if all of this really does have America's attention. I think people are worried about whether or not they're going to receive their Social Security um, checks on Wednesday of next week. I think they're worried about whether or not interest rates will rise. But I don't think people in this country are worried enough because they simply don't understand what this economic crisis will bring. Oh, yes. Obama is the left-wing Democrat. If Obama had visited a Democratic convention or AFL-CIO conclave of the past and announced his acceptance of tax cuts for the rich and willingness to tamper with Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, he would have been promptly hooted off the floor. That would have embodied his most benign fate. And, you know, I think Paul Krugman, Nobel Prize economist of the New York Times, hit the right note in his Friday column. Krugman labeled the Obama-centrist argument as fraudulent, concluding that Republicans refused to sign onto a plan in which he threw traditional Democratic Party bread and butter issues in the tradition of FDR, HST, John F. Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy, and LBJ under the bus. All the while, through all of this, president, the president keeps reciting his compromise man, mantra. As the saying goes, Mr. Obama, that dog will not hunt. You're listening to Our Common Ground at Blog Talk Radio, and we'll take your call at 347-838-9852, and we're going to go right to our phones. I'm sure Alpha is calling in right now to give us a report of what has happened on the U.S. Senate floor. Alpha, good evening. Thank you for calling. I respect you, and I miss you, and you didn't show up for work tonight. Well, hold up, Miss Janice Graham. 
I'm here. <laughs> oh hell, oh hell no! Now it's hotel. <laughs> I'm here on the kitchen floor, reporting straight that uh, that uh, these 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 Democrats are 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 on the on the head of the cliff about the cave, and the Republicans are still bullying them. Um, Forty-three senators have said they will block the Harry Reid bill. I'm happy to hear that. I don't want anything to happen. I don't want any deficit cuts. I don't want any, you know, I don't want anything to happen. I mean, I it, want it's, this president. It's nice, it's nice for us to say that we don't want anything to happen. Um. But we have to understand that there are people in this country, they are mostly poor, unemployed, trying to fight back foreclosures on their homes, repossession of their cars because of their lost jobs, so many things. Uh, uh, the, the banks and the financial institutions are closing down um uh, credit cards. People who depended on a credit card to buy buy groceries last month no longer have credit cards, and this is going to be the biggest crisis that this country has ever ever known. And I will tell you, in terms of the in terms of the foreign markets, world leaders in world markets. Um, financial leadership in other countries is stunned by the dysfunction in Washington. Well, they could be so if nothing will. happens, if nothing happens, what do you think your president will do? That's what I am looking at. I, that's why I hope nothing happens. I am cognizant of the need and the how people depend on their checks and their you know their credit their their uh, credit cards and their interest rates not going up the destruction to default will be cataclysmic it is a national emergency if this president will not lead turn the damn keys in and come back to chicago if you are afraid to be the president of the United States, they have backed you into the corner of compromise over and over and over again. So if nothing happens, he will have an opportunity to lead or go home. If he allows this country to default on its credit and he has the 14th Amendment at hand and he is afraid to use it, he is not qualified to lead. That is well, what I am saying. That it, it, it's not been. even a matter. It's not even a matter of qualifications, Alpha. And I hear what you're saying. You see, the the thing is, the horse has been out of the barn for more than a year. And when we're talking about debt ceiling. When you talk about debt ceiling, what we should be talking about is the proper role and size of government. Instead, what what this president and this Democrat and the Democrats in the Senate and the House 
have allowed this discussion, this dialogue, to be framed around the question of whether the government spends too much money on programs that alleviate the pain that is the result of government policies in the first place. Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, unemployment insurance, food stamps, are all good programs. And their funding, truth be told, which is something that we should be talking about in our community, truth be told, are underfunded. Thank you. But, but you know, and, and, and they don't work properly simply because we're not putting enough money in it because the money is going somewhere else. Now, where is that money going? Uh, that money is going into the military defense. And that the money war. is going into maintaining three wars. I say three wars. That money is going into maintaining Guantanamo Bay, which Barack Obama committed to close when he ran for president. But you see, they're all good programs, but all are meant to deal with the consequences of the income inequality that the government government makes possible by the laws it passes. And when I say the government, I am not talking about the people who work for the federal government. I'm talking about the people who promulgate law, and that is your Congress. Let me repeat that for people who didn't get it. These programs are necessary because, and they are designed to deal with the consequences of the income inequality that the Congress over years has made possible by the laws that it passes. I mean, income security programs make up 65% of all government expenses. And, and, And from this, we are asked to conclude that the government is mainly in the business of serving and taking care of common people. But the most profound actions that the government takes, passing laws that make the rich rich, ostensibly cost no money, and because we play along, enforcing them supposedly has no cost. Alpha, this country has become a place of people who make laws who have no shame. They are corrupt from the, you know, and, and, and I know that. I listened to your show today, and I know that you have a position which says that the Democrats in Congress have failed. I mean, we can't put all of this on Barack Obama. We cannot possibly put all of this on, on Barack Obama because Barack Obama makes no law. Exactly. Let me say this, Janice. Let me say this. Up until now, up well, up until Tuesday morning, I have not, the only thing I've put on Barack Obama is his unwillingness to stand and fight. Period. As of Tuesday, I will question his leadership. Period if he does not use the 14th Amendment. It's that simple. All of the pain, all of the things that will hurt the poor Mm -hmm. can be alleviated with the use of the 14th Amendment. If you want to then get into questions of 
deficit reduction, which is the future, then you must, then, you know, they, you turn down 8317 spending cuts to revenue increase, then you should be made to pay for it. Anything that comes forward in spending cuts should be equaled by revenue increase. Even if it goes 60-40, there has to be revenue increase. It cannot well, be done on the back You know, but I think even that, Alpha, is following along with how they have framed the narrative. That's how, any, that's, any agreement by Congress to cut the income security programs while leaving the main beneficiaries from our government, the rich, untouched, would be unconscionable, and I think that that is where we draw the line. If Congress does not reach an agreement and the deficit remains unfunded, this will give our president an unprecedented opportunity to expose who the government really serves because it will be up to him alone. No agreement from Congress will be necessary to decide where to cut. Let him first withhold money from the enforcement and the support of laws that enrich the, 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 that enrich the rich. And oh. I think all the economists agree that this would lead to to higher wages for workers and lower prices for consumers. And it would therefore be a good quid pro quo for the cuts he wants to make in income security programs. Oh, Janice, I'm, I'm simply saying this. The debt ceiling thing is separate from the deficit thing. Raise the debt ceiling. One has nothing to do with the other. They have, but he is, but see, here's the thing. The Democrats have allowed them to meld the two together, so they must pay the price. They are not good at making the other side pay when they win, but they will surely pay the price for melding the two together. They have absolutely nothing to do with each other. And I would, I would just, I was, I'm hoping, against all hope, that if they do strike that cave-in deal, someone like a Bernie Sanders will put a Senate hold on the entire thing and force this president to lead. Lead you know, by using the 14th Amendment, period. And when I say, you know, it's not like I'm anti-Obama, but damn, you've got to, you've got to throw a bone or something to your face. Right now, you've done nothing but receive harsh criticism and disappointed your base. You know, closing Guantanamo Bay, he said close it, and they defunded it. You cannot lay that at his doorstep. That is not a campaign broken promise. He said close it. They defunded it. Democrats and Republicans alike fell for that Feel they don't want terrorists on U.S. soil. What, unless they're blowing it up or flying a plane in it? Or unless they're shooting up a bunch of innocent, unarmed civilians under a Christian flag? Give me a break. Fight well, these 
people and fight them as though your life depended on it because it does. Well, you're you're you know, but it but it really comes down to essentially you have a party, a group of mostly white men who have decided that inasmuch as they do not believe that poor people who are unlike them are the beneficiaries from the government, that they are the people that this government should not serve. That's what they've decided. When they, you know, I have been on this microphone for years talking about the cry of, I want my country back. So if it's a four-wheel wagon, they have decided, we're going to take two wheels off. And I will continue to say it, that this president, if he goes along with confusing the issue of deficit, debt, and budget, then he does not understand. He does not understand. You know, one of the things, Alpha, that I think people really ought to know and understand is when we say that we live in a nation of under laws in this in this republic that are intended to enrich the rich, we have to really know what those laws are. We have to understand what those laws are. Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, unemployment insurance, and food stamps, as I said earlier, are outstanding programs, and our nation should be about serving the beneficiaries of those programs. But what we have to understand underneath the second layer of the onion is that those programs are there because we had to find a way to deal with the consequences of in, uh, income inequality that the government made possible by the laws that it made. We also need to understand and know the history of some of these laws. Um Alpha, you got time for me to go through some of this, you know, because our common ground really is about being the university on the air. Black, I mean, black folks need to understand how some of this this comes out. You know, we need to know what the laws are that enrich the rich, and they change change with time. Um, as more and more people shifted from farming to manufacturing in the 19th century. A new class of small-scale producers um, developed. For a brief while, 
city residents enjoyed a life cycle that saw them learning a trade when they were young and becoming masters of their own workshops when they reached their prime. But self-employment, this is just one of the kinds of laws that create this income inequality. Self-employment was undermined by a new law called the Limited Liability Law that facilitated the creation of corporations. And the Limited Liability Law was passed by most states in the 1850s, and the concentration of wealth that it led to created victims then and is still creating victims today. And in the 19th century, John D. Rockefeller and Standard Oil destroyed independent oil refiners. Today, Walmart destroys independent retailers all over the all over the all over the world. You're listening to Our Common Ground at Blog Talk Radio. I'm Janice Graham and I'll be listening for you. Our number is 347-838-9852. We've got Alpha on the line and we're trying to figure out one of the things we have to figure out, Alpha, is what is this really all about? And it's all about a number of things, not just one thing. These people have come to power, and they have figured out how to resist. And my question is, have we figured out how to exist? I, I'm, 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 I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm just not sure if we have figured out how to resist. Alpha, can you stay over with me? I guess I'll stay. <laughs> you know you love me. I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole. Hmm? You could say that. I can see it in your eyes. You have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he is expecting to wake up. Ironically, this is not far from the truth. Do you believe in fate, Neil? No. Why not? Because I don't like the idea that I'm not in control of my life. I know exactly what you mean. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix. Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? 
that you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. Alternative activists, empowerment, talk radio, speaking truth to power and ourselves. And for those of you who are just joining us, thank you so very much for being with us here tonight. If you'd like to join us in our chat room, you can come to Blog Talk Radio dot com backslash OCG and we've got Alpha on the line. Alpha, the real question is, and, and you know, and I'm real serious about this, because whatever is going to happen between now and Monday really is not going to save us. Because we have still got people who drink the Kool Aid and don't understand how deep the rabbit hole is. And that's the question tonight for you out there, 347-838-9852. How deep is this rabbit hole? We're going to go to 610-ALFO. Thank you for calling. I respect you. You're on our common ground. Uh, yes, and I'm glad to be aboard. Hotel, Brother Brock, Brother Brock from Philadelphia, PA. Brother Brock, how are you? I'm going fine as I listen to my blog talk family. And uh, I meant to mention to Janice, uh, uh, OGC Janice, uh, last time when she said she visited uh, Philadelphia, that she's more than welcome to uh, look me up. I'll look her up and uh, spend some time out here. So if you come back this way, 
Let me know prior to your visit. Thank you, Brother Brock. Would love to uh, have a get-together. What's on your mind tonight? How deep is this rabbit hole? It's uh, extremely deep, uh, but if you listen to some people of color, and I have to exaggerate because I don't know all the numbers, the statistics, but some people will say, well, people of color are used to being down, so it won't affect us. And I have to I don't want to laugh, but I have to like say, damn, you really don't understand the significance of this reason. So obviously reason most of us don't understand the significance because they, the media, has not explained it. And as most topics of discussion, most of us wait until we hear the mainstream media say something over and over before we wind up taking it to heart. So... Um, that's that's a, a a problem on our end. I myself I listen to all the uh, progressive talk shows, so I understand it. I listen to you too, my mentors so much that I'm deeply entrenched in it. So I, I have uh, plenty of clues as to what's going on. I understand wholeheartedly that now is not the time to have an adjustable rate mortgage. So uh, I paid our so I paid our, our family we paid ours off uh, even a new place we got. Uh, so that we wouldn't have to be in this bubble when it when it goes double. Yeah, so, but you know, a lot of a lot of times, uh, uh, brother Brock, people are not understanding the very essence of the domino effect here. Uh, let yeah. me give you an example. The cities are hurting behind the funding cuts, the in, the what's called the entitlement cuts, federal funding to the cities. Those those funds have been handsomely cut over the last eight years. So when we talk about when you talk about your mortgage having been paid off and congratulations because that's a, a lifetime achievement in my mind. But when you talk about that, one of the things that we don't understand is that in many places across the country City services and city utilities, the tax rates are going to go, the fees and the tax rates are going to go very high. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and as you were talking, and, and I thought about this the other night when I was listening to the president, my LTSA tongue wrote that politics is war without bloodshed, and war is politics with bloodshed. And theoretically, this statement has merit in terms that often infuses antagonism in politics between governments, resulting in organized bloodshed and warfare. But we do know one thing. As is often said in revolutionary jargon, people do not fight for ideas, they fight for bread, and one of the wheels coming off the wagon one of the secrets in the deep rabbit hole is that this is going to be a fight with the American people, with its government, for bread. But look how many people have not called their politicians to request their politicians to fight back. So many people are, are, are numb to the political process, and they feel as though either A, there's nothing they can do about it, or B, well, those politicians are not going to listen. 
So it's like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, if you listen to both of those arguments. But obviously the other side talks to their politicians, and their politicians are pushing the button to, 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 to hold everybody hostage. Well, the thing is that we've got leadership that's being held hostage because they're not smart enough not to be in a position to get caught and taken. And that's what has happened. This president, or his first mistake, let's just look at his mistakes. Uh, Let's look at what happened in January. When he refused to allow the Bush tax cuts to expire, that was when he fell on the right knee. Correct. Because he should have let him expire. Exactly. That was the salvo. That was the knell that said to both the Tea Party contingent as well as the Republican Party, this man really is talking about bipartisanship. Let us use that to whip his ass. Yes. Then he went out down on the right knee last week when he when he hit the microphone last week in this latest um uh press statement. He should have been saying to them, I will give you until Friday, July twenty ninth. And after that, I will do what I have to do to save this country from this economic Collapse, but and he didn't do know, that. And I think because my last point is, I know you got other callers. I think he did not do that because he's so much for both his rich uh, friends and his lifetime politicians. Because you know as long as I do, Alpha and the rest of the listening audience, he's been in politics all his life. Yep. So. So, you know, he, he, it's not like he can only look at people of middle class. He's looking at upper class and making sure that they are taken care of because, as you mentioned, all his political decisions have first helped big business. And then mm-hmm. if it trickled down and, and might have helped us along the way, so be it. But first and foremost, big business, and that's why the stock market went through the roof once he became in office. Because before he came in office, the stock market was was under ten thousand points. You're absolutely uh, under, right. You know, and then since yep, he's been yep. in, not only did it go over ten thousand, it's over thirteen thousand. Yep, you're and absolutely right. So hey, I'm gonna get off. But I okay, just Brother Rock. Thank the, you for the, your the comments. I, just, I think you're you're right on top of it. The thing that we've got to d- stop stop doing is we've got to stop being distracted to the to the extent of the personality of these politics. I'm going to go... Mute my mic so I can listen in the background, please. I certainly will. And thank you for joining us tonight. We're going to go to 111. You're on the air on Our Common Ground. I respect you. Okay, that didn't work. Can you hear me? One one one, you're on the air. Hello. Thank you for calling. Yes. Can you hear me? 
Yes, I can. Oh, great. This is Suzanne Brooks from Sacramento, California. Suzanne. Hi. Thank you for, for joining us tonight. Oh, couldn't. I just found How out you How deep is this rabbit hole? <laughs> um, well, one thing I want to say right off the top, I wish people would stop minimizing what the activists are doing. It's the same mentality when there was slavery and the slave owners agreed to keep it out the news how many people were escaping so that people would lose hope. And while it may be that not everybody is calling their legislature, millions of people are calling, and that includes people of color. And we need to stop listening to the propaganda that says we can't do anything, we're not doing anything, we never do anything. It's not true. It's not true, because if it was true, we would still be in the slavery to which they are working to return us. Well, you're, 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 you're absolutely right. I, I think that people do minimize uh, that there are people out there. For instance, uh, I attended this afternoon a move-on party in my neighborhood uh-huh. uh, that was hosted by, by one of my neighbors, and um, it was like a birthday party for President Obama, and uh, and talking about this debt ceiling and the and the and the deficit as well. But the other part of it too is that we need to stop relying that there is someone doing for us that which we should be doing for ourselves. So. I always measure it this way. If it's important enough for me to make a call, I'm going to assume that there are some people who are like-minded that are going to make the, make a call. But I also have to be realistic that there are people who ought to be making the call who are not going to be making the call. I mean, I spent about 10 minutes yesterday trying to help my mother put together uh, a script to call the White House because she's a recipient of social security. So I'm 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 not minimizing what you have to say. I have an appreciation for what you're saying, but at the same time, it is not the pe- people who consider themselves as activists who have a responsibility in all of this. It is people who have children. Yeah, but I don't really see any distinction between activists and the other people. That number 1 Number two, I mean, like, I don't really understand why anybody is out celebrating Obama's birthday. I was invited to that stuff, too, and I turned it down because why should I be celebrating the birthday party of the man who refused to allow this country to participate in the World Conference on Racism, who Thank constantly you. lectures black men about I'm glad what, you said that because I made that point at the party. Oh, good. <laughs> you know, I... Um, Obama there was a fellow there with a Malcolm X T-shirt on. Uh huh. And I asked him, "What are you doing to protest the boycott?" And we got to talking, and you know me, and uh, I have been saying for months now, "Don't tell me about how much you honor and love Malcolm. Yes. If you are sitting by and allowing this country to boycott the very." activity and program that was 
essential and core to what he did for the last two years of his life. Mm-hmm. Well, I think part of the, there's one piece that I think is not always well understood. Um, if you take a person and you put out their eyes so that they become blind, then later say, why aren't you reading more? I mean, the real consequence of 500 years of slavery followed by segregation and all these other things that have gone on that have led to the current situation in which the wealth of white Americans is averaged at 113,000 and for black Americans at 5,000. Um, and just I just finished writing someone before I called you who was a head of a black organization berating people for not donating more to that organization because other groups give $5,000. I wrote him and said, what are you asking for people to give you their last 5000 before they kill themselves? I mean, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. are now in a situation where people, some people are in denial because they can't believe that we are facing the kind of catastrophic uh, situation that we are facing. I'm not talking about the nation. I'm talking about us. <laughs> yes. yes. We are the ones that are being, in my opinion, what is being installed here is apartheid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I remember the day that I looked up the date that South African apartheid began because I had thought it had been there for centuries. It wasn't. They did that after World War II. So it's a short-term thing that they can do, and they do it using the ballots and so forth. And what people here are not getting a grip on, we are being exterminated and enslaved. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's We've got that, our prisons. We've got voter suppression. We've got redistricting. We've got cities that are taking over what traditionally were the – the the land owned by black people in those cities mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we've 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 got the miseducation the undereducation yes. and the bad education of our children we got people we've still got running around talking about charter schools when they just finally couldn't lie about that anymore that report come out the charter schools are a failure they are setting people up to have a little black overclass or whatever class for other groups so that they can have a, a few. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. those schools, those teachers meet less credentials than the teachers in the public schools. Exactly. And it's a and it's a revolving door for teachers in charter schools because they can't even stand it. But, you know, one of the things that we don't do is we don't, um, when we look at this wealth gap between whites and minorities in the United States, uh, one of the things we don't do uh, and is is that we don't connect the dots. Yes. We don't see the relationship between what is happening in Washington on a day-by-day basis Mm-hmm. And the culmination of what that what that means, um, you know, we can do small things. We cannot yep. bank at Bank of America. Exactly. We can do very small things. We cannot shop at Walmart. Oh God! Um, yes. We cannot shop at Home Depot. Mm-hmm. We can write letters asking the Treasury Department 
to review the records of Standard and Poor's and Moody and figure out who's on their boards and who's influencing the decisions that they make around this credit rating. We can ask Hillary Clinton how she could hire Blackwater to be her private army for the U.S. State Department. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, those are things that we can do Mm -hmm. and that we are not doing. Well, some of us, I think a lot more of us are doing it than people realize. That's what I'm getting at. I'm in a group of people, and we are we most of whom have never met, but who are connected around the country, and we um, are mostly writers, journalists, and whatnot. We have been fueling. We helped Obama. We helped Obama get elected. I wrote like ten to fifteen essays a week against the racism that was coming out against Obama, and that was before he had that site, that space on his website for that. And we had a lot to do with that because we were giving them that information. But now we have turned this into another way. And we have a lot that doesn't just move on and courage and all of those groups that people know. There is a there is an underground of journalists out here and writers and just regular people who are passing stuff along. And it's a lot more knowledge than people think. You know, I remember, and I always tell this story, when Richard Nixon fired Archibald Cox to try to stop the Watergate investigation, I remember reading it in the Sunday paper, went to the phone, started calling Washington, had trouble getting through. I learned later that five million of us picked up the phone on the same day, and that's why he had to hire Jaworski that Monday. So people are acting spontaneously. People are doing things. And I don't think it's a good strategy to keep telling people what you're not doing, but rather I think we could invest our time in saying to people, get on the bandwagon. We are moving. We have made a difference. Every day we're sending out stuff. People are calling. People who never made phone calls before in their lives are calling, and they are. So we don't have the data for for that, but I know from the kinds of people that I never thought would lift the phone, and they're calling. And yeah. they're calling. One day I said, let's all call Republicans. And not just well, call this. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. What would be your advice? And I've, I've got uh, other people coming up on the board, okay, good. and I really do appreciate the input that you, you're providing. Um what would be your advice to um, this president in the next 24 hours? That he needs to take the 14th Amendment, act on it, and not wait for any support from Congress because it isn't going to be there. And we need to make clear um, that we are the people behind him and that he needs to wake up and understand where his base is. Because I'm still advocating that people vote for Barbara Lee for president and Dennis Kucinich for vice president in the upcoming Democratic primary to jolt Obama and the rest of the Democrats to understand that if they don't give us something tangible, I don't want to hear another promise. Uh, We'll take a position like the Tea Party. They can say that if they don't, we need to draw the line in the dirt. No more promises. We want delivery, and we want it now. 
They can send $4 billion to Egypt. They can come up with 17% increase in the Defense Department budget. They can fund these social programs, not at current levels, but at expanded levels. And we need to stand up, put our feet down, and hound them. I don't want to say to death. The CIA is probably on there waiting for me to say some violent word. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, I'm wonderful that you're doing this. I'll get out of the way and I'll listen. And I think and we look is... forward to to having you with us often. Okay. Well, I'm going. I'm tell everybody just I'm I'm on the phones tonight. I'm emailing tonight. Every day I write somebody. Great, great. Thank you so very much. Okay. Um, take care. You know, we have got to do that. Alpha. Uh, we're going to take a break when we come back. I need to get a report and update from you uh, about what's happening on the Senate uh, floor. You're listening to Our Common Ground at Blog Talk Radio. Our number is 347-838-9852. I'm Janice Graham, and we're trying to figure out how deep is the rabbit hole of a corrupt government, because we are really talking about corruption here, and I'll tell you how when we get back. You don't get up and try to do something. God is not going to put it in your lap. Oh. There's no need of running and no need of staying. Honey, I'm not going to get in the mess. Because if you are born in America with a black face, you are born in the mess. Truth, 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 justice, justice, And so, therefore, 
We're going to hold hostage the debt ceiling. The circumstances are identical, but yet we have this president said, like you said, he should have said he should have given until Friday. And all of this that's going on now is simply fodder. That's what it is. You know, and then you turn around. I mean, you turn around. This is a horror show. You turn around and find out that Murdoch hasn't been paying taxes. Well, and here's something else. There are 11 Democrats who voted no on the Reed bill in the House. Now, there were 18 abstentions, but those 11 Democrats are either holding it up. I don't think they're with the Republicans. They don't want to see the Reed bill go through because it's simply the lesser of the bad bills. It's it's just as bad as the uh, House bill, but with just a, a few, you know, twitches and tweets. So what you have here is, is a total, this is a total stalemate. Why would he bring this into a Monday morning? And given the, given the, I would say the fragile uh, bonds and the market and Wall Street, why would he let this go to the last hour? Use the 14th Amendment and take the air out of these tires and yeah, slow yeah. roll off this cliff. This is but, not rocket science. No, it's it, it's not rocket science, but this is the perpetration of the smokescreen, the smoke, and the cover for the corruption in our Congress. Well, I mean, th- that is the that is the bottom line of all of this. You're absolutely right because this is. Yeah, I mean, if if you are an elected official and you are promulgating law and policy, which is in the disinterest, direct disinterest of the people who elected you to be in the office, you are doing it for a reason. And you do it for, these people are doing it for their corporate sponsors. we got to go to our phones, Alpha 111, you're on the air. I respect you at our common ground. I'm Janice Graham. 111? 111. Well, it looks like uh, we might have, um, I'm going to keep it open. Um, But one of the things that we have, I mean, we've got to, as taxpayers, as citizens of this country, to break the seal of the unequal protection being provided corporate liars. Now, some of you may say, well, how do you know that? I worked as an executive in a major in three major corporations, Fortune 500 corporations. I know what is being said at the board table. Um, I'm not sure if people understand just how corrupt this all is. 
972, you're on the air with At Our Common Ground. I respect you. Hello, Janice. How are you and Alpha? How are you? Sarah. I'm just on fire because there's no answer. Sarah, do you understand that this is a done deal? I, I pretty much understand it's a done deal, um, Janice and Alpha. What these people are um, are playing with is that when this ratings get, when these companies downrate the U.S. bonds, which is tied up, a lot of municipal retirement funds is tied up into it, do they know what's going to happen to their fund that is going to tank and they're going to have to find one of these AAA ratings companies, which is probably going to be outside the United States in order to manage their funds? Well... If they have anything left to manage. Which is correct because the way I've been looking at it is because I, I haven't looked at the stock market to see what it closed that, which we all know is a bunch of inflated junk anyway, that that's one of the biggest Ponzi scheme that they have going out there is the stock market. But we're going to see between uh, by Monday at the closing bell, don't be surprised if the stock market is somewhere around $9,000, you know, around that range, the 9000 8000 range. Oh, sir, if that's the case, that means that it would have it would have taken more than a four hundred or well, four because it was at thirteen thousand. It was in the mid twelves. That means it would have taken more than a three hundred and fifty point drop, and it didn't have to come to this. And I know that Friday it closed somewhere around twelve forty, twelve thousand four or something. Yeah, I'm about to pull it up and see what it looks like. Oh, yeah. He invoked the 14th Amendment then. The bottom line is that we have to ask ourselves, I mean, we got to get real, real about this man who has not used his bully pulpit in a way that makes sense. I I agree with you 100%. This man is clearly brilliant, and he's not making any sense. He has options. Assuming that there is clear legislative dysfunction and the Congress is incapable of acting to protect the vital natural, uh, national interest of this country, its economic security, what are the president's options when the president is essentially frozen on this issue? You're, you're right, because the, um, the 14th Amendment gave him that right to, to pay national debt, which includes the military and other um, people, he has that right to go ahead and invoke the 14th Amendment in order to go ahead and make sure the national debt is taken care of. But once again, um, Janice and Alpha, what we are seeing that people always like to invoke this man's smartness, and I'm not discounting it, but a lot of people have a lot of book smarts, but when it comes to street smarts and common sense, they don't get all three. Oh, he's got that too, but the, my question is why he is not invoking it that. You see, because he has surrounded himself, as I said once again, and we always have to go back to the, the debt ceiling has been raised on average every six months in this country. If you go all the way back, it's been raised 90 times from 1940 on up to this current time that it's in. Without any problem, it has always been raised. Because they have an ulterior motive is that they want to dismantle Social Security, Medicare, or Medicaid. They wanted to dismantle it more so now especially since this so-called Health Insurance Act was passed last year, they want so much more so to get rid of it. And this is their bargaining tool that they are using. This is what they are trying to do in order to get it gone. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. This is the bargaining tool that they are using, and he has allowed him, and he, you know, any which way you go at it, he's going to be blamed for it. This is going to be a debacle. This is going to be one of the worst things that's going to be um, a part of his presidency. That will go down on his watch as a part well, of it. This is what what is confusing to me, and maybe Sarah and, and Alpha, you can help me out, okay? The 14th Amendment, Section 4, reads, in part, that, the validity of the public debt of the United States, authorized by law, shall not be questioned. And in that section, it contains no qualifier mm-hmm. as to how this constitutional mandate is to be specifically protected. Now, from what I understand, and I'm not a constitutional scholar, there are two possibilities. There's a generic competence stipulated in Section 5 the Congress shall have the power to enforce by appropriate legislation. In practice, that is what we have always done. And, of course, other branches of our government, including the courts and the executive uh, branches, uh, branch, have enforced parts of the 14th Amendment. The question then is, is there anything in the Constitution that specifically limits the president from enforcing this con- the mandate? Or is there an element in the Constitution that empowers the president to do so? And an Article Two, which deals with the executive power, requires the president to take an oath that he will faithfully execute the office of the president and will, to the best of his, her ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. And I'm not understanding why he has, as a constitutional scholar, correct. That's the same thing I was going to say, Janice. They always quoting this man or touting him as being such a constitutional scholar that he knows the Constitution inside out and backwards. And I'm not understanding why isn't it that he has come out, why is he let it go down to the wire like this and not go ahead and invoke the 14th Amendment. I have relatives that's in the military that's in Afghanistan and Iraq. It does not make make sense to me that these people, that the military is not going to be paid. But we know Congress, they're going to get paid. Their money, well, they, they're going to get paid. Well, you know, the, 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 the interesting part of that is, yeah, Congress is going to get paid. Um, the, 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 I, I'm not sure if the... Federal, where it falls on federal uh, um, employees, but the salary of the U.S. president is four hundred thousand dollars. The salary of retired U.S. presidents one hundred eighty thousand dollars a year. The House and Senate members get one hundred seventy-four thousand dollars. The Speaker of the House gets two hundred twenty-three thousand, and the majority and minority leaders one hundred ninety-three four hundred. And the but. But look at this. This is a kind of critical thinking that we must employ. The average salary of a soldier deployed in Iraq is $38,000, and I think that's where the cuts should be made tonight because we should take no prisoners. No. I agree with you because I've said it all along. I have not heard anything about a defense budget being put on the line as well as these corporations who are paying no taxes and the top People in this country who are paying, and they're not paying any taxes whatsoever, 
but they're putting it all on the backs of the poor people. Take the damn middle class out of the picture because there is no such thing as, as the middle class. We have more poor people that support in this economy than anyone else. These people that don't care, that is why they have moved up, they have closed up shop, they have taken it elsewhere to where they could exploit the people because the biggest region of people on the continent, in this globe that are still have money to burn is in China and India. They're, and they're, they're, they make up two-thirds of the world's population. Well, so therefore, that is why they have rushed out. They've taken all of these corporations and shifted them offshore. They have Singapore and all of these other places where they could exploit these people. There is no environmental laws or anything protecting these corporations. So therefore, they can go over there and then they're going to ship their products back in here because they don't have a consumer base in the United States anymore. If we decide to zip our wallets up, they're going to still get money because they have all of these Chinese and Indians and everywhere else who are willing to buy their products. Well, I will go back to um, the whole notion that this is all about political gamesmanship, and it's all about political um, uh, corruption. Alpha, do you remember in 2006 uh, a group of authors published an article that appeared in the Huffington Post and some other uh, uh, publications, and the name of the article was George Bush is Not Incompetent? Um you could probably Google and it. they argued that Colin Bush's policies, failures, or mistakes was not only incorrect but dangerous and made the point that one does not – you don't have to necessarily need to agree with everything that that they write, but for the most part, politicians are not dumb. They know exactly what they are doing. Well. You know – and when we apply that to major political parties, the same thing could be said. We constantly hear from the progressive side of the Democrats and saying that Obama is just weak, or as Krugman, who's my my favorite uh, economist, uh, he wrote a couple of weeks back, he's a lousy negotiator. And yeah. that is why there's not major advances made in some of these things, but we're not looking at we we don't have to look at the debt ceiling debate. The deal we are getting we are going to get is going to be a deal with tons of spending cuts with little to no taxes on the rich or corporations that is not a mistake no, it's not a mistake. it has always been the end result. Because I was listening to many economists over this weekend um, going back through and reviewing, and from what they were saying, they said if you go all the way back to the 1950s, when the average person household income over $100,000, anything above 100000 was taxed at 91%. Now, we, we are, now we're looking at these people are being, um, and the average is about, what, 33 to 35% is what these people are being taxed. And then, of course, if you look at it, um, the alternative minimum taxes and all of these other taxes that they have out here, these people are not paying anything. They they're they're paying not. No one pays 35%. No, no they're not. not. The corporations corporation. are not paying because they got all of these loopholes. That's why, you know, people are talking about all of this crap that they're talking about Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and this endowment that they are making to give away their money and give away their wealth. What people are not looking at is that 
when they draft up this policy, that they're, 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 their money is being kept. They're not giving nothing away because, you see, what they're doing, they're getting a tax write-off for what they're putting, saying that they're giving away. They're going to claim that as a write-off on their income. Their okay. money is not going anywhere. It's not being given away. If you well, know the tax loopholes, you know the tax law, you would see that is why they came up with this scheme and they try to get all their wealthy friends to go in on it because they get to write that stuff off every year while still getting to keep their money and use it. Well, most of their profits come from capital gains. Correct. They are taxed at 15%. Now, going back to the 14th Amendment, it also states about the challenges of pensions and payments of the government. This is ideal. This is the perfect storm. There is no one in Congress, no one in the Senate, not one individual that has standing in a court when it comes to the debt of the United States. They do not have standing. They will yell and scream and holler, and there will be a constant drumbeat from the right. Fox News, all of the agents of right-wing pundits will all be screaming impeachment. Impeach, well, impeachment. And we need to be standing up because if you look at, if you look at Article 2 uh, in the amendment, it provides sufficient textual, textual support for the president to make a determination that if Congress refuses to enact policies to, re, to respond to the national debt, that Congress is in effect in violation of the constitutional provision and the validity of the public debt cannot still be questioned. But, but in that, but so why, we call it, why aren't we calling for the impeachment of Thank that you. fool that's Standing on the on the on the Senate floor tonight, filibustering. Well, well, Janice, Janice, they have already voted not to raise the debt ceiling with a, on a clean bill. A clean bill. The House has already voted not to raise the debt ceiling. That was the trigger. That violates their oath of office. That puts them in violation of their oath of office. Then they all should resign. Everyone. What? What we're not getting is how the American people get into the political game here. And that a lot is, of them, um, Janice and Alpha, this is one of the reasons why they took civics or government out of the school out curriculum, the school. because it was teaching people too much how their government ran and how it functioned. That is why they just continued doing that about, what, 20 or so years ago when it gradually weaned it out of the school system. Because these people are a bunch of crooks. That's why you have all of these ignorant ass, excuse my expression, these ignorant fools running around here going against their interests. These people are drawing Social Security themselves, all these teabaggers. They're the ones who need the doggone health care. They're the ones on Social Security. But, but you know what? They're going to run up there and they're going to vote Republican and they're going to tell these people to keep everything in, in place, leave it as is, don't do nothing, and they don't give a darn about themselves. They are helping with the getaway driving, helping to, to put the money in the car and drive the getaway car for these crooks, not, not realizing that it's some of their money is in these damn bags that they're driving the getaway car for. Huh. When you get right down to it, this is, this is, this is 
more cut and dry than me betting against the Bears, okay? This is how cut and dry this is. Which Bears? The Bears in the wood? No, the ones who play in Soldier Field here in Chicago. Well, I'll forget about the dog on Chicago Bears. We talking about a real team now. Oh, okay. I'm I'm talking about a cinch bet. With the ground, the legal ground that he has to stand on is impeccable. It's impeccable. No one Well, can. it certainly and is. And I don't know if people understand what that means. But see, we keep we keep focusing on Obama. And the message to him ought to be clear. He has the constitutional obligation at this point to invoke uh, the 14th Amendment. Under Article 2, he has that obligation. But he so knows that Congress, all of these so-called people, you, you see, you know, they already, that, that, that is why, Janice, as I said before, I hope in my lifetime, which I'm not going to see anyway, so we might as well forget it. We're not going to see another man of color up in the White House because the way all things are going, this country is on its way, sliding on the off Well, the you heard what then. Suzanne said when she called in. We're, we're, we're damn sure headed to both a, a state of of um, apartheid, and a, which includes a police state, an imprisonment state, and economic uh, oppression. It's and then don't even, don't even get me started, Sarah, about how women's reproductive rights have just simply been gutted and trampled. We, Janice, see, all of this stuff, this. We've forgotten about all of this stuff. This debt, this debt ceiling madness. You see these people. What, what's wrong with that? You see these um, people. They throw everything out here to you at one time. So that you would not be able to focus on all of it at one time, and they're going to try and push through the the, mo- the things that you least expect. They're going to try and push it through and get it off the table. Because when the president, when he brought in Social Security, Medicare, or Medicaid into the deal, that had nothing at all to do with anything of what's going on. Nobody said anything about the military and all of these lucrative contracts and everything that they're that they're getting as a part of this. Nobody's talking about all of this. Wars that they're opening out in other foreign countries, like in Libya and other places, Yemen and all of these drones and stuff that they're doing. Nobody is saying that. But the United States, in this war sales, that's how corporations make their money. They make their money by creating wars of a um, in order to make to make money off of it. And these are American people. We can see that we are going down the toilet. This this. This is this is this is nothing new, Sarah. I came out of business school in 1973, 70, yeah, 73. And uh, my thesis, my master's thesis to get my my to graduate, was on the economic indicators for profit as constituted under war. That was in 1973. This is not new. No, it is not new because that's how these people then, because they fund both sides of the argument, the winning and the losing side. That's how they um they they make money. Go back and look at the Rothschilds and look what they did with the Civil War. They fund both sides. They fund the North and the South. Exactly. And this phony debt crisis has now passed through the looking glass into the realm where madness just simply reigns. 
hypocrites because their radical free market ideology and the resulting total deregulation of the financial markets is what caused the debt to spiral out of control this last decade. That and the wars George W. Bush launched but didn't have the integrity to responsibly finance because he wanted it was about destroying a country that had, had embarrassed his father. The consequences was his banking bubble, the crash lending to a fifty percent run up of the of the debt and they're using it to get control of Social Security and Medicare and to continue their ideology that poor and people of color must forever be sanctioned to a less-than-citizenship position. Yeah, we're supposed to be the peasants. That's how how they've always, the the, the upper class always looked down on us. Absolutely. We, we, we are the peasants because if you look and see all of these so-called Republicans, when they go into, ha- go into office, they run up the debts and they leave it at such a state that when um, the Democrats come in, you're going to get blamed for the mess because now that you are finally trying to straighten it out, you're going to get blamed because it's going to fall on your watch. Like you said, um, Reagan did not, uh, not Reagan, but Bush, he did not put these wars on the books. So now no, this president not. comes in and is trying to go through the records and see what's out here. Now it's going to fall on his watch. He's going to get blamed for this debacle, which some of it is going to fall on his shoulders. But the majority of it came from the previous administration. It left all of this stuff, never account for it. So now it has to be accounted for. He's going to get blamed for it. Well, it's not even a, it's not even a blame because, you know, one of the things is I do not believe that this man – is so inept that he would uh, earnestly not understand the political missteps that he has made over the last uh, uh, 12 months. Hey, Sarah, thank you for your call, and I hope you'll um, uh, stay with us. We may need to be doing some specials all during the week on this because this is not good. I'll I'll continue listening, listening up to you online. Pardon me? So I'll continue to listen to the show online, and I'm sure that y'all will do everything that y'all can leading right up to this debacle. Okay. So do you want me to mute you, or is that what you're saying? No, no I, I listen on my computer. Um, okay. I'm logged in here as one of the guests. Thank you, here. Sarah. Your, your, your understanding and brilliance in all of this uh, has been um, just re- very fine-tuned. Alpha, I think... Uh, we're we're coming to you one one one. I I think that this is all calculated, oh, and it's calculated on both sides of the aisle. I think it is cal- not only is it calculated. I think that until he until he doesn't act, I yep. still believe that this was his end game to invoke the Fourteenth Amendment and raise okay. the death penalty on his own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll hold to that position because, I mean, you're a good on. man, Alpha, a good man. You can't uh, be let's, that in You know, uh, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, one of the things I, I do want to cover uh, in a little more detail is the whole notion of the language of politics. Um, you know. Uh, Politics being the language of economics lends to 
uh, almost a praxis that is directly confronting the root of the problem affecting the poor and oppressed, and, and the means and mode of production and distribution of wealth. And I think that, you know, it's like we got to stop talking so much about racism and talk about white supremacy. We also have to start talking not only about poor people and oppressed people, but we've got to start talking about and looking at bottom line, the laws in this country that create the inequities of income and opportunity. I'm Janice Graham, and you are listening to Our Common Ground at Blog Talk Radio. 111 will be right with you as soon as we come back for some station identification and a little ad. The Matrix is a system, Neil. That system is our enemy. When you're inside, you look around, what do you see? Businessmen, teachers, lawyers, carpenters, the very minds of the people we are trying to save. But until we do, these people are still a part of that system, and that makes them our enemy. You have to understand, most of these people are not ready to be unplugged. And many of them are so inert, so hopelessly dependent on the system, that they will fight to protect it. Are you listening to me, Neo? Or were you looking at the woman in the red dress? I was... Look again. Actually, I was listening to our common ground. The woman in the red dress, she's Janice Graham. You're listening to our common ground. into the eyes of evil, pure evil, and said to ourselves, what is this country coming to? What have these bigoted races, and I'll repeat it, bigoted races, anybody wants to challenge me on that, have that, have that. Reload some Alpha, the Mo Alpha Show, on TruthWorks Network. More of the Alpha Show. 4 p.m. TruthWorks Network. And thank you once again for being with us here at Our Common Ground. We're here every Saturday evening at 10 p.m. I did miss you last week. Um, I had a, a terrible, terrible respiratory crisis going on, uh, and I was sorry that we had to uh, cancel the program. I don't often do this. For those of you who are new to Our Common Ground, this is our 20th year uh, broadcasting black truth and ideas and notions and solutions. Thank you so much for being with us in our chat room. We've got Lion's Den, and don't forget to look his show up here at Blog Talk Radio, Shaka Zulu, Saxy Man, Stephen C., formerly of ATL, 
Um, East Coast Sam and Doc Don, the Dean of uh, Black Thought, um, Covian Non Man, and on holding on with me is Alpho of the Alpho Show. We'll take your calls at 347-838-9852. 111, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call. 111. I don't know if you know your 111, but I think when you call in from Skype, using Skype. Are you there? Alpha, I just, I don't know what the story was yeah. at 111. You've asked 11 before. I think it's the fourth uh, icon on, on that board that says hang up. Oh, okay. You want, me to, you, you, want me to, you want me to hang up. You know, if one of the... 111, you know they're called back and they're on the line. Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, you know, this this evidence of President Obama's constant pandering and capitulating to the right-wing extremists, and these people are extremists, suggests that he may not invoke his authority under the 14th Amendment. Like I said, said, he has to lead. His base is falling by the wayside. People talk about if folks hadn't stayed home. He gave everyone free will to be disenchanted, disenfranchised, disappointed, and to stay home and just throw their hands up. If he wasn't going to fight for the public option, he shouldn't have said he would. If he was going to, if he was for a single payer, he should have allowed it at the table. I mean, there there was a constant level of disappointment with this president because of decisions that he had made. He has facilitated, enabled the shellacking of the midterms, even though we knew what was coming. A public option would have held his base. He would have been able to rally the troops, and I don't think the House would have been lost. His messaging is still, and it's weaker. It's even weaker, more weaker than ever. I had, I read across an article on Think Progress, and this article was had found out that the right and the hedge fund managers, the Koch brothers, all of these think tanks have spent, million in ads framing the narrative of spending cuts and too much debt. The Democrats have spent $30,000. You are fighting money. The new movie should be Wall Street, Money Always Cheats, because that's what you're fighting against. You're fighting against, and this article also told about how they elicited people like Justin Bieber and how they elicited the, you know, a lot of uh, uh, Hollywood uh, light thinkers, conservative uh, people of fame, to carry this message of debt. We've got too much debt. All the spending is too much. This 
is Grover Norquist, Starve the Beast. Starve the, the Beast while China is laughing all the way, all the way to, the, to bank. the And the logic in this is when Republicans, when Republicans are in office, you spin like drunken sailors, and when Democrats come into office, make it impossible for them to spin in a progressive and liberal way by constantly whining about spending. And they well, have cut taxes to the lowest rate in the history of this nation, so therefore your revenues are down. Your spending well, is either up or the same, and then the deficit. It's deficit. It's debt. It's debt. It's debt. They well, have one spent of the things that million we... Frames. One of the things that we have to, you know, I I, I just said that, um, you know, that um, our politicians get caught up in these power struggles, and we need to get caught up in some power struggles, and we need to oppose state repression, and we need to stop failing to address the needs of the people, our families, our community, uh, with a fundamental concern for bread. For instance, nobody's talking about, and don't kid ourselves, older people, that if there are to be no Social Security cuts resulting from the current debt crisis debacle, you know, some people will turn around and thank our government for its kindness. The fact is, we are the, uh, the older people are the most vulnerable and needy citizens of all, and black um, elderly citizens are even more needy. We have to always connect the dot with our history, the history of of the inequality of income and how it came about in this country as we move from farming to manufacturing uh, to no production. Um, and then we also have to look at, in our community, do not forget that the majority of the black people who now receive Social Security, they receive it as the major part of their income and in too many cases the only income now how did that happen it happened as a result of history in the 30s in the 40s the 50s and the 60s 62 percent of the black workforce was in domestic and service to families, and small businesses. Many of those people, now hear me, hear me strongly, many of those people never, ever had employers who paid into Social Security on their behalf or had pension or retirement programs for which they were contributing. So what does that mean? It means that I, I, I haven't seen Alpha the, the statistics, but it means that probably around half 
of all the black people who receive Social Security. It's their only source of income. Well, That's a sad st- state of affairs. Well, it just, it, it, it's, it's just the culmination. It's the chickens coming home to roost. If we've been in a position in, in the in the the lower archives, if you will, mm-hmm. of jobs, of the opportunity, of the disparaged treatment. If we have, uh, I mean, this is where it's going to come up, and this is what it's going to look like. And it's, you know, you speak about the generations and each generation leaving it better than they had it. Now it's turned and it's reversed in our community. Our community was the first that our children will not live better than we did. Their children will not live as well as they did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it has totally and, and, reversed itself. And, and, I mean, we've already screwed the people that are on, 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 on Social Security because they have received no cost of living increases since uh, in the last two years. Right. If and you so think you're... that does, that imperils older people, well, exactly. all you got to do is the basic ma- uh, arithmetic. Older people are dispensable. They are basically collateral damage. When you heard them scream about death panels, it's because they were setting up their own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everything that they accuse you of and, and basically point the fingers and say that you are doing, they have already started and they are already doing it. I don't care what I don't care what they say or what they argue about, they are guilty of it. And that's well, what I don't understand that people don't get. People who aren't rich, people who depend on the same programs that Joe Joe Kitchen table do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I you don't know, understand that. Um, um, Robert Reich, uh, uh, on his blog, um, either Thursday or Friday or whenever it is, I'm getting dizzy from all of this. Um, you know, has has done a very good job uh, of of making this simple. The GOP would like people to think that America is broke. And he's made it real clear that the federal budget deficit has no economic relationship to the debt limit. You know, I I can't make it any any sooner. I take you um, out to dinner, um, Alpha, and... We we go out to dinner and we eat and we have um, a five course meal and the waiter or waitress brings the bill. There is not one member of the leadership of the um, Republican Party who did not vote to spend the money that is part of the debt. And so many of them voted to raise the debt ceiling 
time and time again to the but tune the, of five trillion dollars under Bush. The but point is, is that all of all the of, of of the debt that has been rendered onto the books since the last time the debt ceiling was raised, every one of them, McConnell, Boehner, Cantor, um, all of the leadership, they voted to go out and have dinner and put it on the credit card. They sat in the Congress and allowed George Bush to declare war, unauthorized war, and never ask the question, how are we going to pay for this? And who suffers from that? Our seniors, our children. But it is all, as Suzanne, when, when Suzanne called in, to say part of apartheid, a, a main, a core feature of apartheid is economic oppression. The other part is economic control by the corporations and the state. So here we are. Our number three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two. We also want to remind you if you'd like to get notifications about what we're doing at Our Common Ground, you can do so by going to ourcommonground-talk.ning.com and signing up for to receive our, our newsletters and our notifications about programming. We also want to remind you that TruthWorks Network, the Black Voice Collaborative, has three wonderful programs, The Alpha Show, which airs at 3 p.m., um, featuring my co-host tonight, and um, Architects of Change with Alvin Dowling and Friends on Wednesday night at 9 p.m. And on Monday night, we offer a feature that we call Power Views, which is a rebroadcast of uh, significant and critical interviews, speeches, conferences um, that we that are important. It is part of our our air learning um, and that show Power Views is at TruthWorks Network on Monday nights at 10 p.m. This Monday night it will feature interviews and discussions, community discussions regarding the murder of a young man out in Oakland, Mr. Harding, and what the community is doing about that and will be brought to us by the Block Report. Thank you again. Our number is 347-838-9852. Alpha, it is very clear that this is engineered. And I think that our president has been outfoxed. No, I don't think he's been outfoxed. I think he's been out uh, public relations. I think that he is... <laughs> Out surrogate. I think he's been out uh, corporate media. I think that any time any Democrat comes before a camera, he should not be talking about the debt ceiling or raising the debt ceiling because it is a manufactured crisis. They should be admonishing the media for carrying the dirty water for the, these manufactured Republican think tank 
groups that have basically run a campaign to frame this narrative that it's the debt, it's deficit, it's the spending. Oh, we're going to spend ourselves to oblivion. The markets are uncertain because of the spending. That has been what has happened. It has absolutely nothing to do. The only thing this president has been out is outspined. They have stood up and fought him every step of the way, and he refuses to fight back with that olive branch that they've whittled down to a nub that he carries in the crack of his butt because that's where they've shoved bipartisanship. You still want bipartisanship? You're seeing it at work. Will you do what we tell you to do, or we will destroy your economy? When was the last time you heard anyone mention the Ryan budget that is trying to destroy Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security? Well, what did they do? They doubled down with cut cap and balance because it's more draconian and calls for uh, a balanced budget amendment that will destroy, literally, it, it's, you will be paying 10000 as an elderly person in Medicare, not six. But they carry and they frame the narrative to the point where none of this can get out. Where are the jobs, Bill? Where are the jobs? All of these jobs, all these spending cuts kill jobs. They just showed you how to kill jobs, 94,000 of them, with the, with the partial shutdown of the FAA. This is nothing more than Republicans. Republicans, Republicans sabotaging this economy to win an election, and Democrats don't have the spine to stand up to them and stop them. Janice, we got about six minutes left. Janice? I, I, I had my cough button on. I, I think oh. that one of the things that we do have to do is we have to be clear about uh, and focus on the kind of hypocrisy that's going on. You know, for instance, I I just I want to go at the TV um, when um, uh, when John Boehner all this week was echoing Karl Rove's American Crossroads ad. But it lacks credibility when the core of the current debate is whether we should cut one or two trillion dollars in spending in exchange for not defaulting. He kept saying the president wants a blank check today. And he kept saying the president is adamant we cannot make fundamental change in our entitlement programs. And it also flew in the face of what we know about negotiations to date, and namely, that the president took an enormous political risk backing entitlement reform as part of some grand bargain and offering to raise the Medicare eligibility age to 67 and, and, and other kind of cost saving. What is wrong with him? Rather well, than standing back and saying, come for it. Well, Janice, even, let me put it like this. Even if he uses the 14th Amendment now and they say, well, let's talk about the rest 
of the spending later. Then they'll be saying that he's reneged on his social, on the big three, that he had them on the table, and he reneged on them. This is after saying that nothing's in writing. Nothing. This is after them uh, basically telling us nothing is agreed to until everything is agreed to, when they were threatening to shut down the government. Now all of a sudden it's different. This is about the lack of surrogate. This is about the lack of a message from the Democrats and this president. Well, it certainly is going to be um, interesting to watch over the next 24 hours. And I hope that all of you uh, will make sure that we're focusing on the right things. You've been listening to Our Common Ground at Blog Talk Radio. And we want to begin to expand once again uh, our programming uh, to ensure that we are constantly providing a platform for alternative information, alternative learning and understanding of, of these issues, alternative ways in which we meet um and and to inspire people alpha to do something different locally that's what we absolutely have to do we have to begin to do the things locally that have an impact and that was one of the reasons that I went to that move on party because my garden was calling for me this is a glorious glorious day uh, in Boston, it's uh, just absolutely a wonderful, wonderful day to be outside. Uh, I do want to um, compliment Melissa Harris-Perry at MB- MSNBC sitting in for Rachel Maddow, Maddow this week. I think she did a fabulous job. And I also want to say that um, I think that the Reverend Al Sharpton, is doing a very good job. Uh, he is pressing the issues in a way that no one else on cable or the network uh, commentary shows are pressing. He's not letting Alpha, as I said to you earlier in the week, he's not letting anybody get by with the lies because, oh. I mean, he's just not allowing it to happen. We've got to go, folks. Thank you again for another Saturday night open mic. And we hope that you have a great uh, Sunday. And don't forget, we're transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Thank you, Alpho. Good night, all. All come ground. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time.
all good evening. This is Janice Graham, and this is Our Common Ground. Thank you so much for being with us tonight at Our Common Ground. We're here each Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be listening for you. Wishing you peace and power in the new week.